Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. A lot of things Jesus didn't say that we think he said, but he didn't say. But I want to welcome you to the Father's House. We're so glad that you're here. We appreciate you being here. I want to ask you to be a bringer, okay? Somebody in your life needs to come to church. So why don't you think about it this week, pray about it, and ask them to come with you. And I guarantee you, somebody's going to say yes. It may take a few times, but you invite them and be a bringer, and we're going to believe that they're coming. Uh, we also recognize our church online. We are sorry you can't be in the house for whatever reason, but we're looking forward to the day that you come back. So let's let them know that, they, that we're happy that they're here. Amen. Do you have your Bibles? Come on, as Pastor says, your Bibles, your iPad, your eyeballs, your whatever it is that you use, your iPhone. Let's raise it up and say our confession all together, nice and loud. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word, I confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe that, come on, we're ready to learn today, right? Amen. So, a cat died. And he went to, she went to heaven. See, I'm not Pastor Terry. This is a good story. A cat died and went to heaven. And God met her at the gates and said, you have been such a good cat all of your life, all these years. Is there anything that would make you happy? Anything you want, I'll give it to you. And the cat thought for a minute and she said, well, you know, I grew up on a farm and I lived, I had to sleep on a hard wooden floor every night. I sure would like to get a fluffy pillow. God said, no problem, and she had a fluffy pillow. She loved it. She was sleeping so well. Then about a week later, six mice died in an accident, and they went to heaven. And when they got there, God was like, okay, I'll give them the same deal I gave the cat. You guys, is there anything that you want, you know, well, that you're here that I can do to make your life easier? And they said, well, actually, yes. We've been running around our entire lives. We've been running from cats, from dogs, from people with brooms, and we're, we're just exhausted. Could we please have some roller skates? God was like, okay, no problem. So gave all six mice roller skates. And so they were just loving life. And then about a week or so later, God went to the cat, and she was sleeping soundly, and God woke her up gently and said, is everything okay? Are, are you happy? Are you enjoying? Oh, yes, this has been amazing. I love my fluffy pillow. This is the happiest I've ever been. Thank you so much. And those meals on wheels you're sending to me are amazing. <laughs> right? So we're in this series called I Didn't Say That. And we look sometimes at what Jesus didn't say so that we can see what he did say because a lot of people twist around what he said and they think that he really said it. Like the first week pastor talked about YOLO, you only live once. Well, Jesus never said that. And last week he talked a little bit about forgiveness and uh, payback and revenge and all of that. And Jesus did not say, 
karma is real. I'm really surprised how many Christians use that word karma. But anyway, that was his teaching. Um, so this week, we're looking at something else that Jesus never said. He never said, you deserve to be happy. Let that one sink in for a second. He never said, you deserve to be happy. But people are always looking for ways to be happy. Well, I deserve to be happy. I need to be happy. Um, I've been through so much. I'm going to go read my horoscope and see if today is going to be a good day. Even Christians do that. Nobody in this service, probably second service. I'll do a little survey. Uh, but they go, I'm going to read my horoscope and see if it's a good day. Or what, 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 what's your sign? What? No, we don't need that. Our, this, our sign is Jesus. That's all we need. Or they go to a psychic and say, what is the lady going to say? What, what is the palm reading? Well, the only palm you need to look at is Jesus's palm because he died for you. So you don't deserve to be happy, but we can't look in the world for things. Happiness, sometimes people have said that it's part of the word happen. So what happens is people connect happiness with what's happening. And if everything is fabulous and exciting and, and you got what you wanted, then you're happy. But both those words actually are connected to luck or chance. Hmm. So I don't want to find happiness in things. Joy, however, comes from knowing that no matter what's happening around us, we are at peace and we can have joy in all circumstances. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it's available. Kay Warren adds her own definition of joy. She said, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Wow. Every situation. That's a hard one sometimes. But the first fill-in on your notes is joy is the visible fruit that comes from a relationship that is pleasing to God. It's not something we can create by our own efforts. Have you ever tried to make things happen so you can be happy? It doesn't work that way. When we pursue God and his ways first, that's when, that's when we can find joy. And we may, not, we may not get what the world considers happy, but we get what God has described as joy. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, meaning as we spend more and more time with God, with Jesus, that fruit comes out, hopefully when you need it. So do you deserve to be happy? If that statement is true, then everything that makes you happy must be right. And everything that makes you unhappy must be wrong. But it's not true. It's not a true statement. 
discomfort and delays and stuff that happens in your life and obstacles and all that stuff and inconveniences and all that can't be God's will. Why would he do that to me? I'm not happy. Then God gets blamed for our unhappiness, for when we are unhappy. But if we think this way, before we know it, then we're starting to bow down to the God of pleasure and money and things and stuff because we deserve to be happy. But that's not the way Jesus wants us to live our lives. We may not say it, but a lot of times people think that God exists to make us happy. Well, why wouldn't he want me to be happy? Doesn't God want me to be happy? But, you know, as long as I do the right things, he should, he should do things to, to bless me and make me happy. And all I have to really do is go to church and, and pray and read the Bible. And, and you know what? That's totally selfish. And that's kind of where we've come to in this entitlement time. I deserve to be happy. Unfortunately, this is the version of Christianity that a lot of people in America have subscribed to, and it's totally selfish. It's totally selfish. Happiness is not the highest priority to God. It's not that he doesn't want you to be happy, but he wants to make sure that you know that it doesn't come from the things that are going on in your life, that are going on around you. He told us there would be trouble. Look at John 16, 33 in the Amplified. It says, in the world you have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world, right? I have overcome the world. If happiness was our goal, then God would exist to serve us but we know that's not the case. We exist to serve him, right? He desires so much more from us in a relationship with him that we're fully committed, fully surrendered and devoted to him. Psalm 37, four and five says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Jesus didn't die for us to be happy. I mean, he knew it was his fate, right, to go to the cross, and he said, the joy set before me, because he knew the end. He knew what doing that would do, would, would bring us life everlasting, life eternal. But he didn't die for us to be happy. He died for us to have an abundant life in the things of God. He never said we deserve to be happy, but what did he say? In John 10, 10, he said, a thief comes to steal, only to rob, kill, and destroy. I come so everyone would have life and have it fully. He wants us to have a full life in him. The truth is, God wants us to be blessed for a lot of reasons, sometimes not the ones you think, but God wants us to be blessed. The biblical word is makarios, and it means supremely blessed, more than happy. That's God's goal for us, to be more than happy, even when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. So number one 
is, even though we don't deserve to be happy, we can, number one, choose to be joyful in spite of our circumstances. Choose to be joyful in spite of our circumstances. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Guess what? That's a choice. Telling us to do that. Rejoice in the Lord. Um, I found a seven-day devotional on version. We do them periodically, right? We're doing Psalms and Proverbs and we're doing the essential Jesus, but I want to add this in. If you'll go to our website and scroll and go to the bottom, you'll see Choose Joy is the seven-day devotional by Kay Warren. I want you to do that. We'll do it together. Um, it's really, really good. So please do that before you leave. Um, but one of the mistakes that we make in life is what's called when and then thinking. When this happens, then I'm going to be happy. But when that happens, then I'm going to be happy. When I get this job, I know I'm going to be happy. When something happens the way I think it should happen, I'm going to be happy. When I get that man in my life, I'm going to be happy. When I get that woman in my life, I'm going to be happy. When I get rid of that man in my life, I'll be happy. What? Don't say that. <laughs> Unless you're not married and you know you shouldn't be with that person. If you're married, God can really work a work, right? That's called when and then thinking. But what happens? You're never happy because when you get that, you want something else and something else and something else and something else. So when and then thinking is not the way we should be. I mean, if that was true, Paul would have said, hey, when I get out of prison, then I'm going to be joyful. I'll be happy. But the truth is, if you can't choose to be joyful in the midst of the circumstance, in the, in the midst of what's going on, the pains, the pressures, the people, the problems, anybody not have any of those? I mean, sometimes we all go through something, right? But then you're going to blame all that stuff for your sadness or the fact that you don't have joy. Moms? I want to speak to you for a minute because I know some of you moms are like totally like there's no more room. You know, did you ever mom ever go, I'm up to here with that? I'm like, well, you got an inch left. You're so overwhelmed with things. But I want to encourage you and I want to remind you that the days are long. Will I ever get through this day? but the years are fast. Before you know it, your kids are going to be graduated. They're going to be off on their own. They're going to be married and have their own kids. Look at the moment that you're in and be the best that you can be in it. Please don't let the circumstances overwhelm you so you don't think you can be joyful. As one who couldn't have children, sometimes I get a little upset when I hear, these kids are driving me crazy. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know why I had them. And then inside of me goes, Lord, help her. Just realize this is a gift. Yes, she's having, feeling cray-cray all the time and kids are doing stuff. But Lord, let her see what a blessing this is. So under that first point, realize your joy comes from God. Realize your joy comes from God. Do not be worried, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. That's what Nehemiah 8.10 says. And then Thessalon 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. 
And then the second little bullet point under there is true joy cannot be destroyed by pain, suffering, weakness, or difficult circumstances. I know the enemy tries hard to bring all that strife and all that stuff and for you to lose your joy. But it doesn't have to happen. Remember in James, I mean, there's certain Bible quotes and stuff and verses that I'm like, wow, yeah, it's hard, but, I, but, but it's so right. Look at James 1 and 2. Consider it nothing but joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. What are you telling me? Counted joy when I can't stand the situation that's going on, when it's this full of stress and strife and all kinds of stuff? What do you mean counted all joy? Because on the other side, you're going to come out stronger. But not if you have a poopy attitude. God's looking at you going, come on now. Choose joy. If we persevere through the trials with with God's help, our faith strengthens and we grow, we mature. God's grace works in our life. We choose to be joyful in spite of our circumstances, not because of them. Have you ever experienced something that made you say, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy? But did you know in the middle of something that crazy, that bad, you can still choose joy? Have you ever met somebody, what comes to my mind right now is, I've, I know people that are going through a cancer battle. And you look at them, and they're full of joy. And I'm thinking, did somebody forget to tell you what you're going through? Have you looked in the mirror? You don't have any hair. You're, you're sick all the time. But they're full of joy. Why? Because they're choosing joy through the circumstance and saying, I want to be stronger on the other side. No matter the situation, no matter what happens, I choose joy. And here's the bonus. Even if your circumstance doesn't change, because sometimes it doesn't, it will change your perspective. It will change your perspective. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Tears may flow in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hold on, people. It's darkest before the dawn. Sometimes we give up so early that you're like, you missed the breakthrough. And I don't want that to happen. Studies show that joyful people have less chance of having a heart attack, maintain a healthier blood pressure, tend to have lower cholesterol levels, and there's research to prove that joy boosts our immune systems, fights stress and pain, and improves our chance of living a longer life. Anybody want that? Let's be joyful. Let me see a smile on your face. All right. Woohoo! Choose joy of attitude. It's good for your health. Now, as a believer, joy is directly related to our relationship with Jesus. Right? The closer we are with him, you know, we're saying, okay, God, I don't understand all this, but I know you got me. John 5, 10 and 11 says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy and your joy will overflow. 
So joy comes from who we know. It's the relationship that we have. The more we know him, the more we know ourselves. Why? Because we were made in God's image. So uh, Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live and move and exist. I hope you do. I hope you live and move and exist in him. That's how you can get through some of this stuff. So it's not that we deserve to be happy, but number one, we can choose joy, choose to be joyful in spite of the circumstances. And number two, this is so important, get your mind off yourself. Or get yourself off your mind. Either way, it'll work. Either way, get yourself off your mind. The more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you're going to become. You think you're doing yourself a favor, but you're not. So to find real joy, you have to shift from an inward focus, it's all about me, to an outward focus, it's all about God and serving others. When you're going through something, just look around and find somebody that you can help, somebody that you can serve. God wired us this way to give our lives away because he wants us to be like him. Now, that's countercultural, isn't it? Put yourself first. You're number one. Look out for yourself. You know, climb the ladder. And if you got to kick people off to get to the top, go for it. You're the most important thing. That's what the world says. But that's not what God's, wor God's word says. God does not say look out for yourself. The Bible in, in Philippians 2.17 says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to, to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy. Pour out your life. What you think you want is happiness. But what you really need is joy. Remember, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. As we're... Our relationship with God is building and growing and we're more, more connected to him. The fruit of God's spirit comes out. Now, I'm going to try to say this as clearly as I can because there's a difference between joy and happiness, which is what I've been trying to share with you. But a lot of people still say, use the word happy. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm half Italian. I use my hands, so I, I apologize. Uh, uh, some people use happiness, some people say joy, but, I, but these are, in this sense, kind of interchangeable. But joy, even happiness, doesn't come from self-gratification. When you're trying to do things for yourself, you're not going to be joyful. And it doesn't come from a self-centered life. Okay. All you're doing is thinking about yourself. You're the center of the universe. I know people in my life, I would say, well, it's his world and we get to live in it. Maybe, if he chooses so. <laughs> and it doesn't come from serving yourself. It just doesn't. You may have a moment of pleasure or joy or happiness, but it is gone. It's not lasting. When you are serving yourself, it's all about me, 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 me. Mine, mine, mine. Me, myself, and I. The kingdom of me you're not going to get very far. But joy comes from self-sacrifice, putting others first. All these things are from God's word. Living to bring God glory. You get joy when you bring glory to God. And when you serve others, when you serve others. So we have to live beyond ourselves. Live beyond ourselves and use your gifts to help 
other people. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4 and 10, God has given each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them, what does it say at the end? Use them well to serve one another. Don't use them for yourself. Use them to serve one another. God blesses you so you can bless others. And when you bless others, God will bless you. It's a big cycle, isn't it? It keeps coming around and coming around. So if you're struggling from a lack of joy, go find somebody to be to serve. Go find somebody to, to help. Go find somebody, whether it's at work or school or here at the church. Then watch God change your perspective. I want to share something with you that came across a man named Ken Kent. Nurburn shared this story and it is so powerful it's about a time in his life when he was driving a cab for a living and he said I was responding to a call from a small brick fourplex in a quiet part of town and I assumed I was being sent to pick up some partiers or somebody who had to just who just had a fight with a lover or someone going off to an early shift at some factory uh, in the industrial part of town but when I arrived at the address the building was dark except for a single light in a ground floor window. Under these circumstances, many drivers would just honk once or twice, wait a short minute, and then drive away. Too many bad possibilities awaited a driver who went up to the darkened building at 2.30 in the morning. But I'd seen too many people trapped in a life of poverty who depended on the cab as their only means of transportation. So unless a situation had a real whiff of danger, I always went to the door to find the passenger. I might, I reasoned, be someone, it might be someone who needed my assistance. Would I not want a driver to do the same if my mother or father had a call for a cab? So I walked to the door and I knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail and elderly voice. I could hear the sound of something being dragged across the floor. After a long pause, the door opened and a small woman somewhere in her 80s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it, like you might see in a costume shop or a Goodwill store or in a 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The sound had been her dragging it across the floor. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets and there were no clocks on the walls and no knickknacks or utensils on the counters. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag out to the car, she asked. I'd like a few minutes by myself. Then if you could come back and help me, I'm not very strong. I took the suitcase to the cab and then I returned to assist her and she took my arm and we walked slowly toward the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my passengers the way I would want my mother treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said, and her praise and appreciation were almost embarrassing. But when we got in the cab, she gave me an address and then said, could you drive through downtown for me? And I said, it's not the shortest way. She said, oh, I don't mind. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to a hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror and her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued. 
The doctor said that I should go there. He said I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take? I asked. And so for the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator, and we drove through the neighborhood, I'm sorry, <laughs> where she and her husband had lived and when they first were married. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she would have me slow down in front of a particular building or a certain corner and would sit staring into the darkness, saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was, in, was creasing the horizon, she suddenly said, I'm tired, let's go now. So we drove in silence to the address she'd given me. It was a low building, like a small convalescent home with a driveway that passed under a portico. And two orderlies came out of the cab as soon as we pulled up. Without waiting for me, they opened the door and began assisting the woman. They were solicitous and intent, watching her every move. They must have been expecting her. Perhaps she had phoned them right before we left. I opened the trunk, I took out the small suitcase, and I brought it up to the door and the woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you, she asked, reaching for her purse. And he said, nothing. I said, nothing. You have to make a living, she answered. I said, no, there's other passengers. And almost without thinking, I bent and gave her a hug and she held on to me tightly. You gave an old woman a little moment of joy, she said. Thank you. There was nothing more to say. I squeezed her hand once, then walked out into the dim morning light. And behind me, I could hear the door shut. And it was the sound of the closing of a life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly, lost in thought for the remainder of the day, and I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver? or one that was impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take that run or had honked once and then driven away? What if I had been in a foul mood and had refused to engage the woman in conversation? How many other moments like that had I missed or failed to grasp? We're so conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments, but sometimes great moments often catch us unaware. When that woman hugged me and said that I had brought a moment of joy to her life, it was possible to believe that I had been placed on this earth for the sole purpose of providing her with that last ride. I don't think I've ever done anything in my life that was any more important. Look around. Look around the people in your life, whether you know them or you don't know them. Be there for them. Be there with an encouraging word. Do something for somebody. Serve somebody. This is your last fill-in. Be the type of person that no matter where you go or where you are, you always add value to the lives of those around you. So today, I want you to think about this. Where do you get your joy from? Where do you look, what do you look to? Does it come from the things of this world? Or does it come from your relationship with God? 
and his son Jesus, who gave us life, he gave up his life so we could have eternal life. And if you get happiness or joy from possessions, then it's going to be short-lived. And it's going to be disappointing. Happiness isn't external. It's internal. It comes from your relationship and your surrender to God. When your happiness or your joy comes from the Lord, then it's eternal. And you can't be robbed of it. So no matter what your circumstances are, nobody can strip you of your relationship with Jesus and the joy that you experience from walking with him. There's always hope, and our hope is in the future, in our future with Christ. So I wanna ask you what your next step is. There's a space for it on your notes. There's a space for it on the back of the card. What is your next step? I hope you're gonna join us in the version devotion. That's one thing, and you can try all the things I've talked about today, but until you take the first step of surrendering your life to Jesus, and getting to know him, you're never gonna be truly happy. You're never gonna experience the joy that God has for you. So let's all just bow our heads and close our eyes. I pray that the Holy Spirit is moving right now, speaking to some of you, hopefully all of you in different ways. But maybe there's some of you here that recognize you've been looking to worldly things for your joy, for your happiness. If I was going to ask you, if I would be able to ask you right now, how are you doing spiritually? You're, you, you'd say, I really don't know. I don't know where I stand with God. I've kind of been avoiding things lately. I'm not really sure. But God wants to have a relationship with you. You know, he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins. He's the spotless lamb. Jesus paid for our sins. He's called the Lamb of God. He was the final sacrifice. Jesus never wronged anybody. He, he was there for us. He went to the cross perfect and holy, and he took our place. He died, and on the third day, God rose him, raised him from the dead. And then he defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave. Why? so that anyone, and this includes you, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you did, it doesn't matter how far off you've strayed, it doesn't matter, he died so that you could be forgiven. Those sins are thrown away into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west that you can't measure. God said, I don't even know what you're talking about when you ask for forgiveness, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. When you call on his name, he hears your prayers. You are forgiven and you are made new. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Or maybe you thought you did. You raised your hand and you were like, yeah, but you know, I'm not really living the life for Jesus. I want to ask you right now to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And if that's you and you want to surrender your life or you want to a, a, a do-over, you, you want to recommit your life to Christ, would you raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. God sees that hand. So whether it's your first time or you're recommitting your life, 
There's, there's another hand, thank you. There's an abundant life waiting for you in the things of God. But I want to tell you, there's more than just praying this prayer that we're about to pray. There's a journey that he wants to, you to be on. But for those of you that raised your hand, let's everybody say this together. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for saving me, for forgiving me of my sins, and giving me eternal life. As best as I know how, I will serve you all my days to glorify you and to be who you called me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. So accepting, amen. Yes, let's go. And maybe you were online and you did the same thing. We, we're excited for you. You just put that in your notes there as you're, as you're uh, chatting in there. But you know, accepting Jesus is the first step. You, we might call it surrender. We might call it, you know, giving your life to Christ. But it's not the same thing as following. It's not the same thing. It's a first step. Some people... Never move past that first step. Raise my hand. Yes, thank you, God, for eternal life. And then they set it aside. Maybe they think following Jesus is like following somebody on social media. You can just click away, swipe away, unfollow, whatever. But following Jesus requires us to be actively and intentionally connected to him personally. We can't just check in now and then. It's a lifetime commitment. Paul said in Colossians 2, 6, and 7, just as you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. So accepting is step one, but following is every step after that if you raised your hand today to surrender your life to Jesus we want to help you we don't want you to be on this journey by yourself we have some things to help you we have some resources maybe you didn't even raise your hand for some reason sometimes people get embarrassed and think I don't want to raise my hand but maybe deep in your heart you said that prayer and you meant it and you surrendered your life to Jesus we're gonna all stand we're going to pray, we're going to, we're going to sing another part of a worship song. But those of you that raised your hands, Pastor Tim is in the back. You bring your connection card to him. He's got some things he wants to help you on your journey. And we're just excited that you're going to choose joy. And you're going to get yourself off your mind. And you're going to see what God wants you to do and how he wants you to bless other people. Amen. Let's worship. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.